So you're telling me this guy's in prison, World War II, has an opportunity to get out and decides not to? Yep, has an opportunity. He's in a concentration camp. He has a moment to get out, and he chooses to stay and help people alleviate their suffering. And that choice is the most meaningful choice in his life. we got to talk about that some more. All right. Welcome to Spartan Up Podcast on this absolutely beautiful afternoon in the sunny mountains in Vermont, Riverside Farm. So, sunny when there's no smoke in our That's right. <laughs> right now, it's sunny with uh, ashes. We stood so up it here at so Puddy's, which is a beautiful part of the mountain, and uh, yeah, smoke blowing in our faces, but surrounded by snow and sun burning on our faces. On my right hand side, I have the wonderful Colonel Nye. I, I'm the interloper standing in for Joe, who could, couldn't be here. I'm Dr. Helen Grimsmo. <laughs> Del. Wow, going with Helen, the real name <laughs> yeah. today. Shh, no, tell anyone. I'm the symbol formerly known as. Sephra. What am I? I'm the life coach formerly known as Dr. Johnny. I'm, I'm giving up that title because we have a real doctor here. Cool. But hey, we have a real doctor we're going to talk about today. We Dr. have. Dr. Greg Eels from Cornell. He is the director of counseling. That's right. And uh, Psychological services. Psychological yeah. services. And, um, it's a big job. Yeah, it's a big job, and uh, you know I uh, know that I'm going to get a lot from this one. I'm excited, actually, really excited. About this incredible, one. incredible guy. We are here, Spartan up the podcast in what is this area called? Uh, this is the Glen. We're in the Glen with Dr. Greg Eels, uh, director of resiliency. I don't know if you're a director of resiliency, but you're an expert in it. We're going to do a TED talk on it. Uh, yep. Um, and we're going to talk about resiliency. Sounds good. So, so tell us what you know. What I know, well, when I talk about resilience, break it down, I have a, an acronym called SAVES. So a piece of resilience is social connection, having people that you are connected with that help get you motivated and that you see those connections is really important. Uh, the A piece is kind of acceptance. Or, I'm sorry, is attitude. It's about our attitude, that we can be positive, we can look at the different ways things change, that our attitude is powerful. It shapes our lives. Uh, the V piece is values, that we choose what's important to us, even when it doesn't feel good. So if we have a goal to be healthy, we choose to exercise, we choose to bike to work, we choose to do Ironman. Uh, the E is emotional acceptance, which is things don't feel good, and that part of the emotional acceptance is that we let go of that struggle. We accept that if there are values, anything meaningful involves ambivalence. So we'll feel good at sometimes, sometimes it will feel bad, and we stick with it no matter what, and we just accept that as part of the process. And then the S is hu- silliness, humor, that you take things lightly and that you're able to laugh at yourself. So that's kind of my basic acronym when I think about resilience. So, but that's an acronym, but that's hard to, for people to put in place. It like, is incredibly like, hard to put in place. You bike to work every day, you bike through the snow. Um, you look at the acronym every day, it gets you through it, or, or, or you just wired that way? No, I'm not. I mean, I, I don't think any of us are wired that way. I think it's about practice to some extent. I mean, everything that we do is about making it a routine, making it just part of our daily life. And there are definitely days, especially when I've had a 10-hour day at work and it's snowing outside, but when I bike to work, it's like, this is the only way to get home, so I'm going to bike the five, six miles back to my house. And so it's kind of making that part of my daily routine. Were you always that way? Uh, no, I mean, I wouldn't say I was always that way. I, would, I think being an athlete when I was younger definitely helped. I think that's one of the great part, things about being an athlete is it teaches you to stay connected as part of a team. It teaches you a lot of those things in that acronym, that you have a value to work together and build that together, and that you also are able to kind of realize things don't always feel good, but if I want to be a good athlete, I'm going to stick with it. You were a, you're a doctor. Four years for a bachelor, two years for a master's, another four years for a doctorate. That's a lot of work. A lot of work. All right, ten years. Ten yep. years of schooling. That's like a um, that's like biking the Iditarod. <laughs> and and yeah. um and so you got through that. So uh-huh. you, I would argue, you were just wired that way. Like you just get stuff done. And so we're trying to teach these yeah. normal people how do they do it? And it can't just be an acronym. No, it's not an acronym. And I would say, I mean, 
some of it is, is definitely genetics, but for most of us, I mean, the great thing about being human is we have incredible flexibility. So it's also about creating the right environment for us to succeed. That none of us get to where we get without some people helping us. I know I was reading a little bit about your book. I mean, you had a professor here that helped you kind of along, and, and you were perseverant, and yet somebody else helped you. And so I think it's about also creating those environments that allow us to be resilient, allow us to succeed. And there are tons of people that helped me along the way on all these endeavors. And I think that's true for all of us. And I think, you know, something like... So community is important. Finally. Community is essential, yeah. And so maybe, maybe and again, we're exploring here, but yep. may, maybe people find the wrong... Uh, peers that, that are maybe taking them in the wrong direction? I think sometimes we find peers that aren't always consistent with our values. Got it. And I think we've got to think about who is it that inspires us? Who is this that can help us go to the level we want to go to? And try to be around those people. Try to be around those people. And so what we found with Spartan Race is um, once you sign up for this scary, difficult yeah. challenge, right, you start going to bed earlier, you uh-huh. start waking up earlier, you're not having the extra best wine, and you're finding friends that are going to wake up yep. early and, and be consistent with yep. those actions. Exactly. Um, you wake up early. It's snowing. You're going to bike here. <laughs> Who's ringing your bell? Well, biking with you. I no, mean, <laughs> no nobody's one. ringing my bell, but right. I mean, I've got colleagues here that are great colleagues. I've got right. support at home. But uh, you're thinking, I think you're thinking, when you get here, you got to show up on your bike because that's what they know you as, right? And if, <laughs> well, you, if you pull up in a car, well, they're going to say, what happened? Well, and also, I mean, I would say, you know, I have a pretty busy life, a busy job. I've got three kids. So for me, the commute is my workout because... Right. If I'm going to work out, it would mean missing a volleyball game or a basketball game, and that's important to me right now, too. Right. So this is the time that I get that workout in. Uh, so it's, it's consistent with my values personally, professionally. So I think that component is really important, going back to our intro. Yeah, so, so, um, so one is finding the peers, mm-hmm. right, and finding people around you. The other one is defining your values. Mm-hmm. The attitude, the values, for right. sure. So, so um, people, not everybody has a great attitude. Not right. No, and 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 like they're upset when the coffee's not at the right temperature. They're upset there's no Wi-Fi on the plane. That's unacceptable, in my well, opinion. Those right? are first world problems for yeah, sure. Those yeah. are first world. Pro- how do you how do you how do you fix that? Well, I think you know part of it is really examining our attitude, and and you know the Buddha said we are not punished for our emotions; we're punished by them. And I think those kind of attitudes, you know, you're creating incredible stress for yourself over something that, in the big scheme of things, is pretty unimportant. You know that, yes, because you've biked through. 30 below weather, right? <laughs> I know that because I've tortured myself. Yeah. But if you haven't tortured yourself and you've kind of had this first world yeah. coddled life, um, well, then it is frustrating that there's no Wi-Fi yeah. on the plane. Well, but one of the hallmarkers in psychology of kind of maturity is, is this ability to develop frustration tolerance, that, that you have things that you, you'd like to turn out a certain way and they don't, and yet you have the ability, again, back to resilience, to kind of say, how can I put that in perspective? How can I see this as part of life? How do I accept the emotions that come with that, not respond in ways that aren't consistent with my values, those sort of things? So I don't know if it's just cerebral, right? So what I say, and I'm asking here, yeah. is um, I do my 300 burpees in the morning, just like yep. you do your bike ride, and they suck, uh-huh. right? I, there are days, I'm sure, you don't want, like you said, you don't want to do the bike ride. Definitely. But then when the Wi-Fi is not on the plane, I can't get mad because it's better than the 300 burpees yeah. I was doing this morning. So I have this frame of reference. Yeah, exactly. Is that, like, I have something to apply it to that's physical. And Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's one of the great things about being an athlete or having that experience is you, you have the ability to practice the, I'm going to push through something because something else matters to me. So, yeah, I like the no Wi-Fi on the plane. If you're like, what's really important to me is kind of my own emotional well-being. Well, they get pissed off about no Wi-Fi is inconsistent with that. Sure. So I think having those past experiences, like you said, are really important in kind of maintaining that. To keep it keep it under control. Yeah. 
Um, tell us, let's dive further into the story of the, of the prisoner uh-huh. in World War II. Uh-huh. So, so what's really going on there? So he's, he's, in, he's in prison. Uh-huh. It's terrible. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole book, Man's Search for Meaning, is really about him realizing that even when you're in a concentration camp where, you know, the Nazis could strip him of everything, including, like, his humanity, they still couldn't touch what was inside. They couldn't change his attitude and his ability to make meaning of even one of the most worst, you know, the worst situations you can imagine for any human being, being in a concentration camp. And that any of us can make meaning of even the most terrible experiences and still find a sense of our humanity in that and power and happiness by the choices we make and the values that we really consciously choose. That's the big takeaway, right? Yep. Being able to, uh, during pain, during adversity, enjoy it. Yeah. Or at least make meaning of it. I mean, it's like, I think it's okay to say, you know, yeah, this is not enjoyable, but it's the other part of like, but I have something that's even bigger than that that nobody else can touch. All right. All right, we're going to be right back. Hey, guys, what's happening? This is Joe D.I. with today's Spartan SGX fitness tip. Sleep. Sleep is the most important variable to recovery and health. Did you know that two hours of sleep before midnight is as good as four hours of sleep after midnight due to the way that the body and our hormones respond to the rise and fall of the sun? So sleep more, get to bed early, and enjoy your better recovery. Aru. Hey, we're back, and Dr. Eels was asking me uh, about my tattoo here, so I was telling him the story, and it ties into resilience. So um, I had this construction company while I was at school here, and the frustration I had with employees, like any business owner, was they didn't show up on time, um, they didn't do their job properly, and every once in a while you'd find this amazing employee, and they were Mm -hmm. typically Eastern Europeans. Uh So I wanted to study that further. Like, these are people that had really rough lives, and they had a different frame of reference than the Americans. They were just happy to have work. When I went to Wall Street, I thought, this is going to be easy because I'm not dealing with blue-collar workers. I'm dealing with white-collar, Yale, Harvard, Cornell graduates, right? This is going to be great. And what I found was they needed psychologists. Yeah. Like, it was never enough money. I and mean, these yeah. are people making millions of dollars. They, had, they were pissed off that the pizza was five minutes late and they yeah. were going to not do business with you anymore. I mean, it was insane. Yeah. One of those clients and I are out to dinner, and he's furious that we have to wait online to get into this Italian restaurant. Uh-huh. Well, next door is a tattoo parlor. <laughs> and if we're going to wait online to get pizza, we have to go get tattoos. Yeah. And I'm thinking, this is my biggest client. I have no choice. I've got to get a <laughs> tattoo. And I'm quickly thinking, what tattoo am I going to get to deal with this uh, pain yeah. and make the best out of this terrible situation? Yeah. I don't want a tattoo. And it's my mother's name in um, Mandarin. I am told by some. By others, I'm told it says something else. <laughs> <laughs> So well, there you go. I made the best of a worse situation. Great reminder. So, so um, you were saying he's in prison. He makes the the, the best of it. Um, give us some other tips. Give 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 um, the people out there some tips on how to um, how to make the best out of a bad situation. Well, I think one of the things that is really important that I touched on in the initial acronym, the, the emotional acceptance. I think that's one of the things you know we've talked about American culture. We have this tendency to conflate psychological and emotional pain with physical pain. Where often it's adaptive, you know, if you put your hand on a hot stove, it's adaptive to pull away with that pain. But if you're in a relationship, all relationships involve ambivalence. And if you're married to somebody for 20 years, there are times you love them and other times you probably can't stand them. But if you want to maintain that relationship, you stay with it, uh, with the ups and downs. And so I think that's a piece that's really hard in our culture because we often say, well, if it feels bad, then something's wrong. Like if you're anxious or sad, that somehow you've got to pull away from that. When in actuality, what's most important is to kind of lean into that. So my question there, this is a big question, mm-hmm. is um, how do you know? Like some people say to me, 
lose, but lose fast. Mm -hmm. I say persevere through like you just suggested. But some would argue, well, you you should cut your losses on that relationship and and, and move on. Well, I mean, that's where you go back to the values. So, you know, one of the ways you can think about psychotherapy, and Viktor Frankl even talked about this, is part of therapy is about helping you make the most intentional choice possible. So, you know, again, there's no better judge of is this relationship what I really need and what I really value than you. But a lot of times as people, we think of like, well, what does somebody else think or... Well, no, I, so, so I, we put on crazy races mm-hmm. and I've taken people very often over a decade to the brink, yep. to the most broken place they can possibly be. And more often than not, when they're at that place, they give you the most logical reasons as to why they're quitting. Mm-hmm. I know they're going to be completely illogical 20 minutes later after yeah. they quit. Yeah. And so you can, you can create logic around breaking up in that relationship um, just to make it work, to fit your circumstance. Right. So how do you, that, that's the $60 million question. Well, and I think there's you know, not an easy $60 million answer, but right. some of it is really intentionally looking at the context. So if what you've said with this crazy race where stuff's on fire and you're going through mud and uphills, but you've decided, I'm going to finish, then you finish. You don't ever so no, so in losses. the relationship example, if you're saying you made a commitment at the wedding that through thick and thin you're taking it to the end, then that's the value, right? I, I, yeah, and yet sometimes you know there there are reasons where the value changes, where you know maybe there's abuse or I mean, so I think it is something that we always have to continually look at and be very conscious and intentional. And I think in our culture we do have a lot of reasons to not make conscious choices. But we just fall into routines and don't really intentionally think about like what is it that really still matters to me? And that right. I'm choosing this. You know, I'm choosing right. to stay in this relationship with the ups and the downs. That that's power there's power in that process, which is what Frankel talked about, that there was power in the I'm choosing to stay in a concentration camp because I can help alleviate people's suffering and that's what is meaningful to me. Right, and there's going to be ups and downs in any relationship. There's going to, so there's going to be you, up, ups and downs in anything that is, is meaningful and that matters to us. Right. So, so the real question there is, do I want to be in a relationship? Right, or does this relationship really matter to me? Right. You know, is this really what's still most important to me? And I think there's power in asking yourself that question in any relationship all the time and then staying dedicated to it. Because like you're saying, in those tough races, if well, you're I, well, at that end and you're like, do I still really want to finish? Well, so I I typically hear from very strong people that are broken. And Mm -hmm. by the way, I've been in those situations where my own, so I get to analyze myself. um, People will say to themselves, I've said to myself, finishing isn't important. Yeah. Because you need to somehow justify quitting at that moment. Yeah. Right? And and so that's a really big question for me is, is how... is it, is it because you got weak or is it because you really analyzed the situation? And, and um, I would argue most times it's because you got weak. I, I think it depends. I mean, you know, and I think... With it's the, just too cold out. You don't feel like riding today. <laughs> yeah, and I think those kind of like pushing yourself physically, I think you have to be very intentional to say, like, is, is this really just about my immediate discomfort? Do I really want to pursue this? Uh, you know, I think with things like relationships or other situations, it is contextual. I mean, sometimes it depends whether you push forward or, or step back on the context. If you're on the edge of the cliff, then stepping back is the smart thing to do. Sure. So, but knowing that in ambiguous that's situations, the hard, that's the hard part. Where are very, you? Are you near right. the cliff or, or not? Right. Um, I don't know. Last bit of advice that you give you give folks? Yeah, I mean, I think a, a part of it too is being able to laugh at yourself. I mean, I know at times when I've felt broken, using humor. It's really important to like, you know, it's just you. Don't take yourself so seriously. Sure. You know, you can, you can quit, you can continue. It's like, do what matters to you, 
don't get so locked in your head that everything is so serious too. That it's you know this kind of stuff's got to be fun too. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of why people are tied to this is social connection. There is a certain energy with these kind of races that people really love. I mean, it's massively fun when it's over. Yeah, when it's yeah. over, it's over. <laughs> soon there as it's you over, go. if you get there. Yeah, and that's an important thing to remember. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, good stuff. Yeah, oh, what's your favorite exercise? Obviously, favorite exercise? Probably biking. I like to work. I do 1,000 push-ups a week, so that's my other. Nice, that's big. And, and then other than that, follow my kids around. So. No issues with shoulders at 1,000 uh, push-ups a week? Yeah, that's a big number. Yeah, I kind of keep them at you know, 40 sets of 40 or 50 throughout the week. So, yeah. Well, good you know, stuff. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for coming yeah, out. thanks. So I'm not taking anything away from all these other great interviews we do, but that one was one of my very favorites. Why? Uh, Good guy. I just learned so much. And, and not, not only learned so much, but was reminded of so many things that I might have already known but not been able to put in those words. Mm. Um, you know, we could be here all day discussing this interview. I mean, he covered so much ground. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was, I was just blown away. And what a neat guy. Like, I really love the fact that he's such an intelligent, esteemed Ivy League uh, professor, and yet he rides his bike. He's super chill. He uh, he was able to like laugh at himself with Joe. Um, yeah. I just found him to be a really engaging, intelligent guy. That's, he seems really approachable, actually, yeah, doesn't he? So, doesn't I think he? if you were in trouble and in need of, of that kind of counselling at university or college, he's exactly the kind of person you want to turn to. He had a good acronym for resilience. That that one really resonated. Saves. 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 Do you have it as the Yep. Social connection. Uh, it, and then it's A's attitude, right. trying to be positive values, so choosing things that are good and important to you. Yep. Uh, e is the emotional acceptance, which I thought was great. Yeah. A great phrase, yeah. emotional acceptance. Yeah. And then the final S was silliness, just finding humor in things. Yeah. And, you know, on that emotional acceptance, because at first okay. I wasn't entirely sure to remember that. And then he expanded later on, he was talking about being okay with your own ambivalence and, and understanding that sometimes you're going to feel up and sometimes you're going to feel down. And not making that a bad thing, you know, understanding that just because you're not super excited about something Every at this time. moment yeah. and that it might be bothering you at this moment, if it's something you've committed to, whether it's a relationship or a career or a race or anything, you know, we talk a lot about what is it that allows people to continue on and dig in and keep going versus quitting. And that idea about emotional acceptance and mm-hmm. the idea I'm going to accept that right now I feel crappy and yeah. that I don't want to take one more step. It doesn't mean I can't take one more step or that I shouldn't. It just means I don't feel like it right now. Yeah, and, yeah. Go ahead, yeah. say, I mean, listening to you, that's Spartan in a nutshell, right? Yeah, big time. Stay the course, right? Yep. It's going to be hard. There's going to be times when it's easier, times when it's harder. Yep. Stay the course. Just keep going. You're going to yeah. get to the end, whatever that end is. Yeah. Yeah. The just difference. recognizing that there's going to be some challenges along the way. And don't sure. get too yeah. high and don't get too low. Yeah. Stay kind of in the pocket, in the middle, yep. and kind of protect yourself on the flanks when either emotionally either direction right yeah, yeah absolutely. he's talking about the difference between sort of physical and psychological pain there as well isn't it being able to recognize the difference in yourself yeah. i think you were talking earlier about endurance racing and and with the death race a lot of the time you think it's physical but sure. actually it's mental yeah and, and what you think is uh uh unmanageable physical pain isn't it? it's discomfort that you turn into physical pain in your mind and in truth you know are you able to keep going most of the time you are if you can keep your mind engaged and i just want to reference um something that he talked about you know when we say uh where, where do you actually apply this in life and he talks about um dr victor frankel who wrote a man's search for meaning and the idea about being able to accept uh those emotions those ups and downs it's because you have committed to a big enough purpose so a man's search for meaning and if you commit to something wholeheartedly the great example of Viktor Frankl was uh, in a concentration camp. And um, he decided that he was going to make it into an experience where he could better himself and other people by really contributing to his fellow man. And so he was actually to endure a situation that most people found unendurable. 
And so it can apply to anything, you know, whether it's uh, getting through this race or getting through this relationship bubble or whether it's getting through life in a concentration camp. Um, if you have a big enough meaning and a big enough why, um, then you can marshal all those resources around you, right? So listening to you talk, I was thought with uh, once upon a time I went to Sears School, Survival, Evasion, Resistance, Escape. Yeah. Except for I went to a school that really was just only taught the resistance part. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of, they get rid of everything else and it's just pretty much how to resist sure. both mental and physical pain. Yeah. Um, and what, the reason they got rid of all those other things, it was interesting, is that they've done studies and only a small percentage of people will ever try to escape. Mm-hmm. So he talked about how people w- wouldn't escape. Um, there's a school of thought or school of study out there that shows that many people would not, even if you open a cell door, will not walk out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why you have to do the training to get guys to learn how to kind of resist that yep. so that they don't become, you know, a prisoner of the cage. Where They do that with elephants, right? Yep. I mean, that's how they train them. They train them and train them. And the rope and then gets thinner and thinner and thinner. Or, or your dog in mm-hmm. your yard on an electronic leash you know, he gets stung a couple of times. He never goes near that. Never near mm-hmm. goes near that wire again. The idea to to resist being so conditioned to that pain that you can't even try anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. And let's. Uh, I mean. I mean. Let's be fair. I mean, uh, psychological issues at Cornell and Ivy League schools and schools of such caliber is a massive issue. And uh, how, how so? What do you mean? Uh, unfortunately, you know, um, there's been suicides. There's been a lot. I mean, kids put. A ton of pressure of themselves, especially kind of at um, that sort of level of academics. And um, I was there for graduate school, and there was, and so I was kind of on the older side of a lot of the student body. And I just see, you know, I just see like the heads down, the shuffle, like the there's not really any smiles, grimace. And I look down and be like, "How's it going?" Yeah. Like, <laughs> little eye contact, little, you know. And it's just you get into these tunnels of like this is the most important be all end all thing that like. You kind of lose reality of the balances and the scales of life, the smell of fresh air. And, and so to have such a jovial guy there kind of reminding you, like, it's all right. Like, there's there's bigger fish in the sea, you know, yeah. zoom out a little bit, soar with the eagles. And, uh, and he talks, about how, important, breath, and he talks yeah. about how important silliness is and being able to laugh at yourself and yeah. enjoy things, right? So Yeah, yeah, I see that. Yeah. And, and, and all these kids say, sorry, sorry, go. For what? I'm glad you came out of Cornell with your silliness intact. <laughs> There's no doubt. Well, sense, sense, of humor, sense of humor, though, is a great defense mechanism, right? Yep. I mean, and he's not the first person we've we've interviewed yep. that have, have said it. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Zeisel, uh, 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 earlier podcast, yep. was talking about, again, that was one of kind of the strengths when he was counseling people. If they yep. had a sense of humor. He kind of already knew that they were already on the, the track. The, the recovery or they were going to be stronger than someone without it. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. I think it's great that there are guys like him working in sort of high-pressured environments like Ivy League schools, that there are places for people to turn to. Yeah. I think he just comes across as really humble, really approachable, and, mm-hmm. you know, he's a lot of hooks there for everybody to learn from. Cool, and like I said, you know, with, with, with him, we could talk all day long. We can't because we're... Uh, we we're, have to go bike to work. <laughs> we got to go bike to work, exactly. <laughs> so, Del, take us away. Where can people go to find out more about this podcast and others? To our website. To our website, to YouTube. Thank you for watching another epic story of success. If you like our message, please share Spartan Up with your friends and subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you catch our show, maybe in the woods. Spartan Up is brought to you by Spartan Race. To find a race near you, visit Spartan.com. (laughs) 